Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. I suffered from irritable bowel syndrome, and now I just suffer from this show. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you here on a Tuesday. Yeah, another Tuesday. Uh, however, it is June, so that means that, uh, you know, fireflies should be coming out soon. Uh, although it seems like we've had a bit of a, uh, a cooler spring here, so some of this, you know, some stuff hasn't bloomed yet. So maybe the fireflies will be a little bit behind um, anyway, on this week's show in Pipe Parts, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, caking the bowl, and uh, it's prompted by a uh, by an email that I got from a listener, and some it was just interesting. So anyway, we're going to going to talk a little bit about uh, flaky cake in a bowl, and then we continue the Ask the Experts with the newest Doctor of Pipes, Sykes Wilford, and uh, that was. Uh, uh, it's a whole different point of view because Sykes sells pipes, makes pipes, and buys and smokes pipes. So you get his view. Uh, music, mailbag, and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And if you follow me on uh, Facebook or Instagram, you will see that I've started posting some pictures of the stuff that we are gathering up for the JDRF auctions uh, as soon as uh, as soon as the pipe stud himself, Steve Fallon, is ready, I'll get the stuff off to him. So he's still got at least a couple weeks because I'm sure he's got a backlog of stuff to deal with. Uh, so if you have anything that you're uh, interested in donating, if you're a pipe maker, pipe manufacturer, tobacco, whatever, anything at all, email me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com. I'll get you my address, and you'll send it here, and then I'll get it all off to Steve. And that's all much appreciated. And remember, uh, thanks to Steve and everything donated and all the people that bid on the stuff or buy it, 100% of the proceeds all go to Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation to find a cure and help uh, uh, help with treatment of those that have type 1 diabetes, just like my daughter. So there you go. All right, uh, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And we are back. All right, so uh, flaky cake. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase and uh, do this from uh, from my memory because I can't find the email in the notes. Uh, but anyway, I got an email from a listener named Eric who is not a new pipe smoker. He's relatively new to the show, but he's not a new pipe smoker. And he told me that he's having a problem with his cake, uh, with the cake in his bowls just flaking off. And, you know, chunks would come off. So in a in an exchange of emails back and forth, uh, we we went back and forth on trying to figure out all right, you know, what kind of tobacco is he smoking? What 
kind of pipes are they? I was trying to figure out what all the, you know, what the entire situation might be. You know, what is it that is going on? Uh, remember in my, you know, in, in my experience, uh, English blends build a really hard cake that is thin. Uh, aromatics tend to build a thicker cake that's not quite as hard. So I was trying to figure out exactly where he was, what is he using to tamp with, and go from there. What's he using to light with? Because if you're using a lighter in the same spot, you can heat up that one spot. But this wasn't narrowed down to one spot in the bowl. Uh, it wasn't, you know, he's smoking English and Virginia's and smoking at a, what seems to be a standard rate. And it wasn't really narrowed down to one pipe. So then we got on the phone and we started talking through the different ideas. And it had me thinking because, uh, you know, I, I tend to get uh, what I call the speed bump up at the top of the bowl. And I was, yeah, it's just a little speed bump of cake that builds up. And I finally realized what exactly it was that I was doing that created the speed bump. And maybe that's what he was doing that was creating the flaky cake. Uh, so what we, long story short, um, what I was doing to create the speed bump was, you know, I'd light the, I'd fill the tobacco almost all the way to the top and then light it and with the expansion i'd use the side of my dejeep or a lighter or a tamper just to gently push the tobacco down and then light again and then light again and and at the top of the bowl where that speed bump was built up i wasn't tamping the sides of the bowl really i was just using those charring lights and those more aggressive lights to get the top of the bowl going and that was building up that speed bump so now, as I'm in the process of getting a handful of my pipes uh, cleaned up, I am actively being aware of trying to tamp the sides of the bowl and use my tamper to go down the sides of the bowl all the way up at the top just to keep that speed bump from building up. Does it bother me? No. Is it bad for the pipe? No, because my cakes don't get that big. And Eric's cakes don't get that big either. He, we were talking about, you know, the width of a dime, maybe a little bit thicker. And then he goes in there and works them down. But what I think is happening was he was tamping the middle of the bowl only and thus wasn't getting, uh, wasn't getting that very loose cake scraped off. So as I talked to him about it, I suggested that maybe, uh, from the start of the bowl all the way down to the bottom that you tamp around the edges, creating a dome in the middle. And by tamping around the edges, that scrapes off the looser stuff and only leaves behind the harder stuff. Uh, that's just a suggestion. And here's the, here's the bad spot, the bad part of having cake flaking off uh, is that, one, it's going to flake off in your bowl while you're smoking it. So you really don't want to be smoking cake because that's going to taste kind of nasty. Uh, but then you've got a part of your pipe that is somewhat unprotected and you've got to pay attention to it and build up the cake in that spot a little more evenly. And the way to do that in, you know, in my opinion is when you get down to ash 
uh, you take that ash and you turn the pipe with that flaked off spot down. You shake it, you shake the pipe with the ash in it, and you try to get as much ash in there, and then you've got to tamp away from it next time you smoke. Um, I've done that with a couple of pipes that I bought that were abused and the bowls were inside were slightly out of round or had been uh, gouged or even if you get that little spidering crack going inside your bowls, you got to do that so that you don't get that spidering, to, you know, so that you get the cake nice and even. Uh, remember, a, a nice even cake just helps protect the pipe. It helps hold the it helps hold the tobacco in place and helps everything smoke evenly and smoother and better so so i talked to eric again about making sure that he tamps all the way around the bowl and while you go down the bowl use the edge of your tamper to scrape along the edge that gets the loose ash off and only leaves that very well adhered cake behind and again don't let your cake build up too much so uh, that's the story of the uh, flaky cake. I have not heard back from him. It's been about uh, three weeks since we talked about this, so I'm hoping his experiment's going well. Uh, but at the same time, he was able to help me figure out exactly what I was doing uh, inadvertently to build my speed bumps. So never too old to learn a new trick. Now, if I can actually pull it off, that's a whole different thing. All right, in just a minute, uh, the newly minted Doctor of Pipes, Sykes Wilford for Ask the Experts. This is Internet Radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark, and like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining me is, uh, well, Sykes, you got you got so many titles now that I can't list them all, but the newest one is, um, is Doctor of Pipes, um, founder of SmokingPipes.com, and uh, Grand Poobah of all things Laudisi. Sykes Wilford, welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you, Brian. Good to be back. So you are one of the experts or the experienced, or as I'm calling you guys now, my seven samurai. Uh, so let's get right into the questions. Are you ready? Sure. Can you detect if a pipe has been oil cured or not, and do you have a preference? Uh, it depends on the oil curing and whether I can detect. Um, uh, I think after a few smokes, it really doesn't make much difference or any difference. I prefer not, um, to, to sort of summarize that answer more to the point. I think, I think oil curing is, um, I, 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 you know, we've all experienced that sort of nutty taste you get in the first bowl or two, but, but that dissipates like any flavoring, uh, uh, associated with, a um, with the pipe. I just don't think it makes much difference long term after the first few smokes do you think it do you think it helps make the uh make the briar a little lighter weight and a little more tolerant to heat and and i'm and 
the the best part of having you on is you're coming at this from now a manufacturing standpoint, a retail standpoint, and somebody who loves pipes standpoint. So I'm just kind of wondering, you know, does does it help with the with speed aging or speed curing of the briar? I, I guess the, the the question is sort of compared to what if you if you properly age and air cure the briar, you're good in my opinion. Um, if the briar is not still wet, you're good. Um, and by not wet, I mean if it's properly dried, yeah. you're good. Um, I don't mean like if it's not, you know, dripping. Um, <laughs> Squeeze it out like a sponge and then you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, actually, that's <laughs> what we use in the bath at home is for a block that hasn't been properly dried. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I... Oil curing, I, I don't think it makes a tremendous difference. I think you probably could use oil curing to substitute some of your air drying time, and that might make a difference. But, uh, but on the whole, I just, don't, I just don't think it's a big deal. And I, I know in some quarter, quarters that, uh, that might be heretical, but um, I'm looking at this, and, and a lot of these things, it's, it's as much informed by, by professional um, experiences is personal type experience uh but but with a lot of these things i just don't see a whole lot of evidence for it making a significant difference and i think you're trying to control for too many other variables at the same time and so i don't i don't see any any real pattern that doesn't mean it doesn't it's not there ever and you are the leading expert on your own opinion yes yeah next question what makes a pipe more of a flake tobacco pipe for you? For me, um, and I don't think there's a universal answer to this question for everybody. I think mm -hmm. I think this is a you know personal preference thing. Um, for me, I like tall, narrow chambers like uh, Elfang pokers, um, like a lot of the small billiards that I like. Um, and then you can you can stack flakes on end. Uh, so, which, which I sometimes do. Um, I also think it depends on the flake. So certain flakes are work better with that, um, uh, stacked on end in a small, uh, small narrow chamber than others. So like McBaron's flakes work really well that way. Um, but they tend to be cut a little thinner. Um, SCG's flakes work, work pretty well that way. Uh, once you're to more or less anybody else's flakes, it's, it's a little bit more hit and miss as far as that method. Um, not actually, I love a lot of other flakes too. It's not that isn't a, a general preference. That's just packing method preference. Yeah. So if I'm smoking a, a McBaron flake or an SDG flake of a certain cut, um, I really like stacking them on end and uh, uh, using a, a small narrow chamber. Uh, when I'm using when I'm smoking other flakes, which I, I actually do a lot more, I smoke a lot of Cornell and Deal flakes, unsurprisingly, then uh, the the chamber shape matters less to me. And that, and those other flakes being more loose cut or thicker, you you still have to rub them out a little bit and kind of form yeah. that. So, so, so crinolines are a little looser. Um, the way Kohlhaas and Cop uh, flakes are, are packed these days uh, makes it harder to get the uniform stand on end, even though they're a little thinner. Uh, Samuel Gowitz or Gowitz Hogarth and Samuel Gowitz flakes are, are a little variable and often a little too thick to try to stack end on. At least for me, I'm sure some people manage, but but for me, um, I find it difficult to, to, to get them 
to to line up nicely such that um, you can sort of roll or fold a flake and then and then stuff it end on. Perfect. Uh, what is <laughs> this one's kind of funny for you because I know you so well. Um, what is your preferred method of flame? Uh, <laughs> you're looking for me to say Bic lighter, which I'm holding. Um, no, I was waiting. Can, I was waiting for you to say whatever lighter I can find. Yeah, any any heat source will do. <laughs> um, I, I I I mostly use butane. Um, I mean, matches are great, but I'm lazy. I'm a lazy pipe smoker. I'm a bad pipe smoker, in general. Yeah, we, we've had that discussion before. Um, can you taste the difference between using a match with a bowl or using a you know using a bic or using a good high quality butane? No. I mean, a little bit between a match and any kind of butane, but any kind of butane, I, I, I can't detect any difference. I do use creepy lighters um, and chrono lighters from time to time. Um, but, uh, but you know, Brian, I just like, I have lighters all over the place. I have pipes all over the place. I have tobacco all over the place. And whatever <laughs> yes. combination of the three that is most handy is likely to be what I use. And I'm still reminded of the uh, the time that you went searching for a pipe cleaner because the one that you had been using for I don't know six months was completely black. So, well, they need to be replaced occasionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but the uh, but the the general you know the general theory for you is that any lighter is fine, and if matches are nearby, you'll use those too. Yep, I'm not a big fan of um, uh, Zippos. Um, just because the, I, that that flavor I do find kind of obnoxious. I know some people like it or don't mind it, um, mm -hmm. and then other people say if you just let it go for a little while, it burns off. Um, but I I well I think Zippos are cool, and I like them in the abstract as uh, uh, for for smoking a pipe. I just it, the, the flavor turns me off. Now and with with you being in the lighter business, let's let's talk about this for a minute because as as I understand it. The triple filtered butane isn't so much for taste. It's just that you want to keep your lighter internals as clean as possible. Yes. That works. <laughs> I would tell you more if I knew more. But, but we'll just leave it with, with, with yes in a really definitive way like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. You, you don't want to put junky butane. You know, It's like putting bad gasoline into your fancy car. You don't want to. You don't want to junk it up or, you know, you don't want to put bad gasoline into any car. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I assume it's the same, but but I'm not a chemical engineer. So I the, the finer points of it are a little lost on me. There you go. All right. We will take a break right here. When we come back, we will have more Ask the Expert questions with uh, Sykes Wilford. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. 
but you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with the newest and now youngest doctor of pipes. And I believe you are the youngest to ever receive the Doctor of Pipes Award. So congratulations and thank you for taking me off the list as the youngest. Uh, I'm really happy about that because now I won't get teased. And the hazing at the Doctor of Pipes meetings can be pretty rough, I would imagine. I don't know yet because we're in... COVID lockdown. Yeah, well, and, yet. and as I as I said to uh, Rich Esserman when the uh, when the results came out, I said, you know, it's, I'm glad we're getting some younger people in there because now we have people that can stay up past ten o'clock for the whole meeting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some of them are starting to get a little sleepy towards the end of the meeting. There. Um, anyway, uh, next question. Are you ready? Yep. Do you notice a cooler smoke with a pipe? with a longer shank like a canadian uh no again i feel like i should say yes but but i really just don't um i think that there I, a lot of this is that i think that there are things to be said that that argument can be made but i think the problem with pipes and what makes them fun and magical is that there are so many variables that work simultaneously that disambiguating those experiences is really hard. <laughs> Do you think the longer shank helps with some of the moisture maybe? Um, perhaps. I don't smoke a lot of long shank pipes. Um, but perhaps it could. Um, I, I mean, you, if, if, in theory, I guess, if, uh, if you've got a long enough shank, the smoke is going to be cooler by the time it gets to you. And one would also presume that, that there's a reasonable likelihood that that means more condensation along the way. Um, so I don't know how the confluence of those factors would, would interact. My personal experience is I just, I just don't notice a whole lot of difference on any kind of consistent way that I could document. Does the, so, you know. does the moisture level of the tobacco when you start, does that affect it more in your, in your point of, in your opinion? Absolutely. I, I think moisture level in the tobacco, how I pack, other engineering aspects of the pipe, the shape of the chamber, those things are all factors of greater and lesser importance that make it really hard to uniformly compare. So if you, if you held everything else constant, you pay, took the same tobacco and you packed it the same way into the same shape chamber, and the pipe was otherwise the same, except one had a two-inch shank and one had a six-inch shank, I think you could maybe make that determination as long as you had like six two-inch shank pipes and six or 50, you know, however yeah. many you need for your sample set. I, I just think controlling for all the variables is tough. All right. And at, at the end of the day, I, 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 can I sort of jump ahead or yeah. maybe jump backwards and ahead at the same time and answer a couple of sort of, of these questions in a general way? We can, I, we can add Chinese acrobat to your list of titles too. That that is not a title that anybody <laughs> will ever bestow upon me. Um, I trip over my feet. Um, I I mean I, I I think that pipe buying is is fundamentally or pipe buying 
for me, certainly, and I think it, it's also true for others, although I won't prescribe how others come at this. Pipe buying for me is fundamentally an aesthetic decision and a shape and comfort decision outside of the smoking of it. So is it too heavy for me? Is it bent right for me? Is it, um, can I clench it comfortably? Is the button comfortable? Is all of those questions or why I buy or don't buy a pipe? And then certain other conditions are met on engineering and, and such uh, so that it will deliver a, a consistent smoke, but I'm not gonna buy a long shank pipe for particular smoking properties. I might buy a long shank pipe for, for aesthetic or, or other reasons. Does that make sense? Am I articulating that well? That makes absolutely perfect sense because I have, um, yeah, 12 years ago, every one of my pipes was uh, four and a half inch long shanks and they were all straight and they all had saddle bits and they went, you know, they went from four and a half to six or seven inches long. And then I started discovering these things called um, bent pipes and, you know, like different shapes and realized that as long as you learned how to manipulate them and they were comfortable for you, they smoked as cool or cool, you know, they, they smoke the same as a, as a straight pipe. But yet when I look at pipes, I'm automatically drawn to that five, five and a half inch, six inch long Levat because I like the way that shape looks. And it, totally. it's a, it's, it just looks balanced to me. Um, I don't know how else to say it. It looks right. Uh, and it's a comfortable shape, but we jumped ahead and went backwards all at the same time. So let, let's stay kind of on track with this. Sure. Um, from a, you're you're the only expert that I've got that has any pipe manufacturing experience. Um, and to get those to get those longer shank Canadians now, you know, you have to get the bigger blocks, and you have a little bit more loss in that, right? So, you know. It's, <laughs> Uh, so they're a little bit they're, they're a little bit more special pieces sometimes if I'm understanding it correctly. That's a fair statement. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so don't don't fall in love with them too much because they're harder to get a hold of. There's there's my uh, summation of that. Let let's jump on forward to uh, when smoking the same tobacco. Why do you think some pipes smoke wetter than other pipes? Uh, I think that, oh gosh, this is, this is a hard question. So some of this is engineering that's easily identified. Um, are there obstructions, mismatches, uh, you know, are, are certain, certain internal details of the pipe being handled properly, or is there like a literal problem with the pipe? Um, that's, that's one way to approach this. But then... Even when all of those things seem fine, um, I think that you still see a lot of variance, and I, I can't attribute that. Um, certainly shape plays a role, and I think, I think part of what makes these sorts of quantifications difficult is that the, the pipe smoker brings so much to pipe smoking. Like the cigar smoker really doesn't bring that much to cigar smoking. Forgive me if that's heretical in cigar smoking circles. Yeah. <laughs> the cigarette smoker doesn't bring anything to the cigarette smoking process, really. So, but pipe smoking is pipe smokers. We bring so much to to that process. So, I find bent pipes smoke water for me. But I think that has as much to do with 
what I bring to the process, how I let the pipe hang in my mouth, uh, the angle I'm holding it at in my teeth. I, I think that has as much to do with those things um, as it does bent pipes versus straight pipes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, at all. And that's the thing about this is it all makes sense. And then you can get two identical pipes, almost identical pieces from the same production and have one smoke a little bit better than the other. And it just is the mystery of the piece of wood or the absolute alignment or, you know, the, I guess it's why it's, it's why we have some pipes that are magical and some pipes that are really good and some pipes that we don't end up falling in love with. Absolutely. Um, and I think if you were to try, if I were to try, I'm not going to put you on the spot, Brian. Okay. Um, if, if I were to try to say, if, say if uh, next time I'm in Dublin and you know, who knows when that's going to happen. Uh, next time I'm in Dublin, I were to pull five pipes out of one tray that are all the same shape and finish and then try to compare the smoking properties of those five pipes. And let's assume for the purpose of this thought experiment that they're, essentially identical in any way that can be observed so there are no mis there's no engineering problems they're all made properly they're all they're all perfect because peterson would only make perfect pipes um <laughs> and i take these four pipes and i smoke one of them after lunch and i smoke one of them in the late afternoon i smoke one of them after dinner and then i smoke one before i go to bed i'm going to bring a different me to each of those processes and i'm gonna have yep. a different experience even with the same tobacco and as close to the same pipe out of a factory setting as you can get. So I think it's just, again, the magic of pipe smoking is that the experience is so variable because there's so many different things going on there. So it makes it interesting, in, in my opinion. And it's what makes my absolute love of Sato's pipes so special because I can have, a, I can have one of my... You know, I can get a very good and really, uh, you know, a wonderful experience most uh, out of most bowls. And then I can turn around and hand, I can pack the pipe for you. I can pick the pipe for you. I can give it to you and tell you it's going to be magical. And then you smoke it and it's just not quite magical. Yeah, we just all bring different experiences and different everythings to this. That's, so, that's what makes it cool. So you've really screwed up that answer. So thank you. Um but you're right. Did I? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I, again, a lot of, you know, a lot of this just turns into you have to try a lot of pipes and you have to gain a lot of experience to really get those perfect pipes for you and figure out your own technique, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you can improve the odds. Once you've been buying pipes for a while, you can improve the odds that you find something you like. Like, I have a good experience with X brand and I kind of like these shapes. That's mm -hmm. going to get you part of the way. So then at least you know you're not buying a pipe that's way too big for you or way too small for you. And that whatever that maker or that brand does uh, fits with whatever works for you. But it's a super-duper personal experience. It's like a journey, not, you know, not a spreadsheet. Yeah. wish it was a spreadsheet, don't you? Um, I, wish, I wish everything were a spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, speaking of spreadsheets... What is a specific aspect or dimension that a pipe must have in order for you to purchase it for you? Um, I haven't bought anything. Okay, so that's not strictly true. But I haven't, almost everything I've bought in the last three or four years has been a small billiard. 
Um, so sort of Dunhill Group 3 size. Um, uh, indeed, one of the pipes I bought in the last three years was a, a Dunhill 3103. Uh, so small billiards are kind of where I've been for a long time. And the reason I like small billiards are they're, you don't have a lot of weight relative to the chamber size. So I can get an okay chamber size mm-hmm. um, with a pipe that I can keep comfortably in my teeth. Um, while driving, working, whatever. I'm not good at sitting still, so I, I tend to do multiple things at once. Um, so I, uh, so I, I like small billiards because of the, the weight chamber size ratio that I can get, get from them. It's a really comfortable shape for me. You know, earlier in the conversation, you were talking about your love of the Lavat shape, which I, I also mm-hmm. like. But, you know, after a while, you, you smoke the same shape a lot, you start to just sort of picture your pipe self, um, you know, or yourself when you have a pipe in your mouth yeah. a certain way. And, and for me at this point, it's with a, with a small, with a small billiard. So I, I, I bought a lot of, um, uh, 7LE 105s, um, which is sort of a rarish shape. It's their smallest billiard in the catalog. Uh, in the last few years, um, I bought a, a Dunhill 313. Uh, what else have I bought? recently um a couple of oddball small billiard petersons um but those are mostly in shapes not in current production we just i just found some random stuff at the factory from from old old stock um this used to be used to hold the door open and now i'm smoking it yeah kind of yeah yeah like basically actually like literally what happened so the old Peterson 103 shape, which I think must have been obscure when it was actually available because I had never heard of it. Um, or I don't even know if that was the, the, the shape number it was marketed under. Um, I found a, uh, uh, like a, a bin of them, of like not many, like five or six old stumbles at the factory one time uh, when I was over there last year. And I'm like, this is the coolest tiny billiard ever. <laughs> and and the guys in the factory finished it out, finished one of them out for me. Um, and I really like that pipe. Um, so yeah, most, I mean, small billiards, uh, I, I bought a few Costello's, um, uh, small, my Costello standard, small pipes. Uh, although by most of what, what I'm buying these days, I'm a little bit on the bigger side. Um, some small old French shapes and like the rock brand. Um, a lot of, a lot of little billiards. That's where I've been. How long of a smoke will you get out of one of those? And and I and I understand that you know while you're smoking them, you're doing something else. So, um, this is back to the I'm a bad pipe smoker uh, theme. So, uh, I am far more likely to get distracted, forget about it, and leave a half filled <laughs> pipe uh, somewhere, um, probably somewhere I shouldn't have than I am to actually make it to the end of a bowl these days. Um, to those that don't know you, that's shocking. To those that know and love you, that's not sh- not surprising at all. Yeah, anybody that knows me, just yes. Um, yeah. It, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a bit of a pipe-smoking disaster. <laughs> but you think I would grow up eventually, right? Like, I'm a doctor of pipes now, which is both evidence of, of me having been at this a while and just kind of getting old because now I'm the youngest doctor of pipes. You've been um, to my house. You've seen my office TV area. Do you think there's any chance of me growing up? <laughs> <laughs> but you're really good with your pipes. You're a grown-up pipe smoker, Brian. 
Um, when you were here, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I won't talk about the pipe that I left sitting on the side table by my reclining chair for two days, just kind of flopped over with half a bowl of tobacco in it because I just was forgot about it there. Uh, the fact that you only have one example that you can point to and there was a limited number of days during which it happened is evidence that you're doing better than I am. Yeah, okay, I'm not that bad, but I do like my toys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so you're a bad pipe smoker. Um, do you prefer your pipe bowls to be coated or not, and is it a deal breaker for you? Uh, coated, and I feel really strongly about this, um, not necessarily a deal breaker. So some of this is where professional experience and opinion bleeds heavily into personal preference. And, yep. you know, for me, this whole like pipes have been, uh, you know, aside from, aside from my family, the main thing in my life for my entire adult life. So it's really hard for me to separate, uh, my, my, my professional experience with them from my personal experience with them. 100%. Like some people like pipe shapes different than, than the ones I like that, that, that's something that's me separable, but these sorts of questions I find difficult to separate. I really like bowl coating because it, provides an extra level of protection for the pipe smoker and the manufacturer. I'm nodding and, my head like you can see it. Yes, but go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> um, and you've, you've been on this side of the table too, Brian, yeah. so I'm, I'm sure you have some of the same feelings about this that, that I do. And it's very easy from, from a perspective where you don't see a lot of pipes that bad things have happened to them um, to say, oh, well, you know, there must have been something wrong with the pipe or there, uh, or you know, all the arguments we hear, you know, mm -hmm. people bow coat because coat they're hiding things or, or whatever. It's just a tiny, it, it, it's a tiny thing that moves the burnout rate from, I'm making up numbers here because I, I do not have data on this, um, but let's say 1% to half a percent. But that half a percent is... Uh, a chunk of livelihood for pipe makers collectively. Um, it's a chunk of pain in the butt for pipe smokers collectively. Um, it, and it doesn't, there's no real downside, in my opinion, to a bowl coating. Now, of course, there are some nasty tasting bowl coatings out there. Yeah. But that doesn't, just because some people make spaghetti poorly doesn't make all spaghetti a bad thing. Unless you go to Olive Garden. Um but no, I, I will I will agree with you, and I have advised some newer pipe makers that they need to coat their bowls not to, you know, uh, not, not anything against them. It's against the inexperienced or abusive pipe smoker. And not just inexperienced or abusive. So you know that moment you have sometimes when you're driving, and I'm sure this never happens to you, Brian, but it happens to me. Um, <laughs> where you, you suddenly realize that you're that asshole driver, like you, a moment of distraction and you're the person that cut somebody else off. You're like, oh crap, I'm that jerk. Um, like you don't mean to be, but we all mm -hmm. have momentary, I'm gonna light a pipe and go outside and not realize how windy it is until it's too late moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not, not, not out of inexperience, but just, because we're thinking about something else. And so it's not even just insurance against the inexperienced or the careless. 
it's also insurance against the uh, the moments of carelessness that that I have, even though because I'm a fancy doctor of pipes now, I know what I'm talking about. Like I have a, <laughs> I have a little thingy to prove it. Um, uh, it's insurance against my moments of, oh, I'm going to uh, pack a bowl, light it, walk out the door while on the phone with a colleague, and I'm thinking about the phone call, not the pipe, and not paying attention to the fact that it's blowing 15 miles an hour outside. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Or you're driving down the road with the window cracked and you're smoking the pipe and you've been smoking the, the pipe in the same position and relighting it in the same position. And you realize that, you know, the left half of the pipe is awfully hot and the right half is really cool. Something might be wrong inside. Um, put the yeah. pipe down, dum-dum. All right. We, and, and even those of us who've been smoking a pipe for a long time are going to notice that. Yeah. Most of the time, but not all the time. Yeah. No, I... I never do that. Um, and I don't cut people off. I drive a mini. It looks like a little oh, bug okay. just jumped in front of you and you get to squash it if you catch up to it. But I tend to outrun them. Um, final question. And this one, this is really an unfair one for you. But is there one pipe that you owned and got rid of that you wished you could get back or a pipe you saw for sale that you regret not buying? And, and I understand how unfair this is for you, but too bad. So I, this is sort of two questions. The first question is um, I had I had a sandblast former um, that I ended up selling, and I really wish I could get that pipe back. Um, this was many years ago. I probably sold it 15 years ago. And and I don't mean I sold it as a company. Like, this was my personal pipe. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and I sold it, of course. Um, and I, to this day, don't remember what I was thinking when I decided to, to sell it or what precipitated it. Um, I think I decided something about what shapes I liked at that moment. Um, and then decided I would get rid of it and get other stuff. But, but yeah, there was one, one sandblasted former. It, it was a little big for my taste then. It would still be a little big for my taste now, but it was a cool pipe and it smoked really well. And I kind of wish I could get that pipe back. Um, as far as seeing pipes that I wish I could buy, you know, I, I feel like whenever I'm asked this question or the, the version that I'm normally asked, which is you're surrounded by pipes all the time and you're a pipe smoker and a, a, a collector of some sort. And, and how do you, how do you resist it? Like at some point you get a little numb, like you just have to, Yeah. you know, it, they're not your pipes. You can't buy them all. So you don't think about it that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and so as far as the pipes that flow in and out of here, I have pipes that will make my, make me go all quivery and whatnot inside. Um, you know, where that, you get that little flutter of, 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 of love or lust. Um, but it's not my pipe to buy a lot of the time. I mean, well, most of the time, right? So it, your relationship, and, and, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm speaking really just for myself on this question. Mm -hmm. My relation to that pipe is I'm really excited that that pipe is likely to go to someone who is going to love it. And it's even better for me if I happen to know that person and like that person. But yeah, I, I, I looked at it. Flutter, but the relationship is different because like tens and tens of thousands of pipes a year come through this place. And an awful lot of them are really cool. 
Yeah, and I and I had to look at it as I was either the adoption agency or the matchmaker, and my job wasn't to adopt or marry everything. It was to find the right mate and find the right household for it and move it along. And the more I liked the pipe, the faster I wanted to get it out of the place because I, st- I didn't want the temptation around me. Yeah, and, 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 and it's, that, but it's also, it, to, to run with your adoption metaphor for a moment, you know, you see a pipe and you're like, I know who would love that. I love that, but I know who would love that even more than I love it. And being able to make sure, or at least offer it, to someone that that you think would really love it is a is a really gratifying experience. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Sykes, I'll 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 end this with one little personal note for you. Um, now that you're a doctor of pipes, do not wear your medal around the house or the family and expect them to bow to you or curtsy or any of that stuff. They will give you a lot of um, a lot of heartache for it. So just don't don't do that. I've tried it at home several times and I get nothing but grief for it. That is good to know. Yeah. That is good to know. Yeah. I thought wearing silk pajamas in my bathrobe and that would really do something, but no. Uh-uh. Not a thing. It's just not, not winning points? Yeah. No. Uh-uh. No. So just don't do that. Um, but uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, Brian. This was fun. And we'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years... We've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Four experts down, three to go. Hope you're enjoying those. Uh, I know I've heard from a lot of you that you are. All right, for music, back to just happy music, music that just makes me happy. And this is uh, Harry Connick Jr. from an album that came out in 2015 or 16. Uh, The album title is That Would Be Me. This song is uh, Like We Do. People stay together forever in a lot of meaning too. But no one does that do like we do. Fireworks fade and the fireflies Once the honeymoon's through They don't do, I do like we do Nobody got it, you like me Nobody got this history The good times and the hard times And the wild times we've been through Nobody got me like you And I ain't much, but there's much 
going on with uh, Harry Connick Jr. My wife knows about it, but I don't think Harry knows. You got mail. You got mail. You got mail. And remember, mailbag questions or comments, you can email them directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com, or uh, post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com, just like uh, Dino did going back to last week's show. Dino says, I am really enjoying these seven question shows, and Steve was a terrific contestant. Besides being an honest and accommodating businessman, he knows what he likes and isn't afraid to say so. Steve is also the nicest of guys. Uh, Louis Armstrong? Oh, yeah. As always, thanks for a fun and informative show, Dino. And Dino, you're welcome. I knew you'd like the Louis, though. Uh, Trout Time says, another great show in the can. I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. Always interesting to hear others' opinions, whether I agree with them or not. I finally finished the back shows, and what a difference from the first 25 shows to the current shows. I hope you keep going for another 400 shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, uh, I can attest to the first 25 being a little different. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think the biggest thing that, uh, that listeners should get out of these seven questions is each one of these people has developed their own opinion and their own preferences and 
boy, are they, you know, some of them are different. Some of them are right along. Uh, Wade H. writes, I'm smoking McBaron Classic Dark Twist while listening to this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. This was another great installment of the Seven Questions series, Brian, which I'm enjoying very much. Steve Fallon is easy to listen to and a very humble wealth of knowledge. I'm not a fan of Royal Yuck, but hey, to each their own. <laughs> Your pipe parts question to Jeff Grasick was one that I can chime in on based on personal experience. I've been a pipe maker since 2002, and I prefer to use alcohol-based dyes. The majority of dyes I use are leather dyes because I like the array of available colors they offer. They are what I'm accustomed to working with, and in keeping with tradition, they are what my mentor, the late Horace Desjarnet, used. Uh, different colored alcohol dyes mixed together on the pipe itself, for example, two base coats of yellow followed by a base coat of red will yield a beautiful amber color. Uh, I was taught to light the pipe on fire after applying the dye to burn off the alcohol, which gives two distinctive advantage. Firstly, it dries the dye almost immediately, and secondly, the heat drives the dye deeper into the briar than air drying would have. I buffed the pipe between each coat with white diamond compound to achieve the desired shade of color. More buffing equals a lighter shade. Uh, a trained eye and experience reveals when enough buffing is enough. This technique yields some stunning results in getting the grain to pop, as well as allowing each pipe to be, a beautiful, to be beautifully unique in color. That's my two cents. Love the show. See you on the next one. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, each pipe maker develops their own little techniques, and then you, you know, you'd think it'd be as simple as just slapping a slapping a layer of dye on and then putting a coating on. But you know, there's all those little in-between tricks. Uh, Casey Ghost writes, "This was another great show. Steve Fallon, who has never met a stranger, is simply a great guest. Steve has a great site on which we can still sell or buy fine tobaccos." and he uses eBay to sell pipes. He does it all. The part where he talked about selling his favorite Ashton for $425 was a real hoot. <laughs> I, all, I, I always knew Steve could be bought, and now I know how much it will cost me. Um, I've always lusted for a Brad Pullman pipe. He once made a set of pipes that were identical, except one was a straight grain and the other one was blasted and were being sold together in a case. Uh, some guy came by and complimented Brad on the straight grain while I spoke about the sandblasted one. Brad just beamed when I made my remark about the sandblast pipe. Uh, I know whoever got that set was going to be happy. Old Satchmo can just sing a song, and anybody else singing It's a Wonderful World is just wasting his breath. So that, Dan and I agree on 150%. Uh, and then going back to Rick Newcomb, uh, Rondi writes, uh, over 400 episodes, I've listened to them all. It's not a wonder why I'm insane, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, congrats on such a huge milestone, Brian. I'm glad to have been along for the ride all these years. Uh, I love it when you have Rick Newcomb on the show. The guy is, uh, the guy is a wealth, uh, is fabulously wealthy, at least compared to my salary, but you'd never know by listening to him talk. He just seems like such a friendly and humble dude. Uh, and uh, Rondi asked about getting copies of uh, personalized copies of In Search of Pipe Dreams and still searching for pipe dreams. And of course you can. You just have to reach out to Rick. Uh, 
And so there you go. Also, uh, some news that I kept skipping over for some silly old reason is uh, my uh, my friend Eric Stokeby in the fourth generation product has now uh, it's back out and available and has now moved over and uh, Eric will be uh, working with the folks at Orango Cigar. Uh, Orango is, uh, of course, the importer of several wonderful products, including, you know, and we've talked, we had Josh Weiser on before, so it'll be great to have Eric back out there and hanging out with the folks at Orango, and I'm sure we'll start seeing some, uh, some new products from him. All right, once again, comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. If you are thinking of uh, some travel deals, because there are some deals coming out, uh, you know, modified adventures is what I'm calling them now, but there are some deals, and there are going to be some deals for the fall. So email me, brian.levine at mei-travel.com. I'll help you out. I'll guide you. I'll advise you, and it doesn't cost you anything if you consult with me or use me. All free of charge to you. So there you go. Uh, and uh, while we're at it, iTunes ratings and reviews, of course, would be absolutely wonderful. We're right around uh, a little bit over 300 now. So three, yeah, 305. That would be wonderful. All right. In just a minute, rant time. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Depending on who you talk to, I am either old enough to be the very end of the baby boom or I'm not a baby boomer, I'm a baby bust or whatever the hell the opposite of a boom is. So anyway, I, I say that to let you know that I'm, I'm not young. And uh, I'm saying this because especially in this time when we're watching a lot of TV and, you know, hunkered down a little bit. Uh, a lot of these shows that are on these streaming services, and I won't name names, but I'll name, you know, you know all of them. I'm, you know, I, I miss the days, and the, this is the short point of it, all right? I miss the days when you get into a show and you'd watch it for an hour and then you had to wait a week. And you had something to wait for. You had to, you know, you, you set aside Thursday night, whatever the, whatever the night was, you knew your favorite show was coming on. You know, I had a couple of shows that I was watching this year that were on Sunday nights, and I knew that they were going to be on on Sunday nights. And then there, you know, I'd watch them on Sunday or Monday or whenever I'd record them. And then they'd be over for the week, and then I'd take a week off from them, and then I'd come back to them. Well, now with all these downloadings and streaming services and whatnots, you know, you watch six or eight episodes, whatever they release, and then you got to wait six months or a year. Or maybe never. 
or whatever, and then they drop another whatever, and then they throw them out there. You know, there's no commitment to these shows from these producers anymore. They put out six and see what happens, or eight or ten, and see what happens. And then, and then when they do drop them, if you like them, boy, you watch them all, and then you got nothing to look forward to for six or eight months. Nothing. Not a thing. You know, you got to wait and hope that they're going to come back out with more afterwards. And then you got to go back and watch the ones that you watched six months ago because you don't remember what the hell happened. And you got to keep track of that before you watch the new ones. So there you go. I don't, you know, whatever. Just, you know, if it's a streaming service, just put out eight or ten and then do them one a week so that we got something to look forward to. Damn it. There. Okay, I'm done. Um, but you can, yeah, you know, if you watch uh, six, you know, three episodes of a movie, and you can get a, you can load up a big pipe and just sit back with them. So there. All right. Uh, once again, JDRF auction items. Please email me Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram. You'll see my uh, T-shirt thing that I'm doing, and you'll see some other stuff on there. And uh, follow the Pipes Magazine Radio Show on Facebook. Uh, comments or questions again feel free post them email me all that stuff thank you to uh, Sykes for joining me thank you all for tuning in and until next time who cares about the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny Little drug called Alley. It's treats. Weight loss. It's a weight loss aid, okay? Let's take a look at the side effects. Number one, oily spotting in your undergarments. <laughs> <laughs>